0: Hello, David Scales here. Welcome back to the show. I am sitting here in a hotel room in Lemoore, California. And uh, you know why I'm here, the Surf Ranch Pro presented by Hurley. I've actually been getting emails for the last couple of years from some of the crew at Hurley. They are fans of the podcast and uh, they're obviously sponsoring the Surf Ranch Pro. And I was planning on spending four days in Lemoore, so I figured that it might be a good opportunity to actually start working together. And uh, I chatted with them, and we kind of designed a way for everyone to win. As a listener of this podcast, they're actually going to give you 20% off everything on their website. This is only valid for one month. All you have to do is use our promo code, PODCAST. And again, 20% off everything on the website, Hurley.com. I know it's a little early for holiday gifts, but I'm thinking prioritize your gift giving. Take advantage of that discount. And they're actually introducing at this event the Hurley Team program. Pro Series. It's the skate inspired graphics. Each individual CT surfer has their own original artwork. They partnered with Argentine artist Julio Battistelli to design individual artwork for each CT surfer. Those surfers will be unveiling their board short, t shirt, hat line at this event. Good news, we're giving five prize packs away. All that you have to do is go to surfsplendorpodcast.com. I've set up a poll and just vote. Pick your favorite Hurley surfer that you think will win the Surf Ranch Pro and the first five people to correctly guess will win a prize pack. So we've set it all up, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Go to the menu bar, click on the Hurley Surf Ranch Pro Poll. It takes about 10 seconds to complete, but you can check out your favorite surfers' new line of clothing right there. We've got all the visuals. A 10-second poll, you can win it. The first five correct submissions will win a Hurley Team Pro Series gift pack. Check it out, surfsplendorpodcast.com, and enjoy today's show.
1: Winds down, Joe. He now realizes he's the new world number one. Julian Wilson is your 2018 Quicksilver Pro Champion. And your new
2: number one on the Jeep Leaderboard. Wilson wears yellow heading into Bells Beach. Lakey Peterson is your 2018 Roxy Pro Champion, Italo Ferrera is your rip Pro, bells beach champ
1: sharing the lineup with nick fanning in his send-off stephanie gilmore takes her fourth bow. felipe Toledo, now basking in the golden glow of victory well the loyal rare champion Steph gilmore maintains that yellow jersey going to Bali, But the white performance for lake peterson good signs i think we're going to have an absolute crack-up of a year this year pizza low ferrero is your champion of the corona Bali protected presented by hurley and likey peterson He's for the victory, her second of the season. William Cardoso takes out the Uluwatu. TT, Joanne Defay
2: takes the, the win here at Uluwatu. And Felipe Toledo is your champion here in 2018. Stephanie Gilmore is the 2018 Corona Open J-Bay champion. And Courtney Conlogue gets a major win here at the Vans. US Open of surfing, taking out World
0: We're off-script. At the Surf Ranch Pro presented by Hurley, welcome to Day One. This is LaTosh, California. Established by Dr. Laverne Lee Moore in 1871, when the soon-to-be town sat on the northern shoreline of Tulare Lake, the largest freshwater body of water in the United States outside of the Great Lakes. The soil was rich and productive, and it had been brought down and deposited for centuries from the High Sierra by the Kings River. Wells were easy to dig, as the water level was unusually high. Farmers could easily irrigate their crops and had plenty of water for livestock. Access to water was the reason for settling. The problem was, the pioneers were somewhat isolated. No nearby access to mail or newspapers ripe and cheap land for settlers but no infrastructure alas dr Lemore proved to be the man with a vision he organized the community designed a plan for real estate development petitioned for a post office and had distant dreams of eventually attracting a railroad Today, September 6th, 2018, the population has swelled to 26,000 and the inhabitants have renamed the town in honor of their founder, Lamore. The agricultural and industrial boom have both settled. Lamore residents mostly go through a quiet daily routine. If not in the agricultural sector, then they either work for the Naval Air Station or the Tachi Palace. The Tachi Palace presides over L'Amour. Its 255-room hotel and casino looks miniature as compared to the 5,000-room behemoth hotels that line Las Vegas Boulevard shoulder to shoulder, but in L'Amour, the Tachi is giant. And tonight, this entire weekend, in fact, it's fully booked, and it has been for a year. Up until one year ago, the Tachi was the main tourist attraction within a 30-mile radius. That was until another pioneer saw an opportunity embedded within that high water table, and he too envisioned a train. On January 8, 2014, a 20-acre property on Jackson Avenue sold for $575,000. The biggest feature of the property was the private lake that was attached to the land, listed as ideal for water skiing. The ks wave co had been developing a wave generating technology with aerospace engineer adam fincham they just needed cheap land and a replenishable water source the team at ks wave co began renovation on the property emptied the 15 million gallons of water from the lake and installed a 700 yard long train along the length of the lake the train would have a plow that it dragged underwater which would force an upwelling and generate a wave on the water's surface but bottom contours would still need to be defined. Plow speed, cant, angle. This had all been developed on a model scale over the past decade, but it was the first attempt at utilizing this technology at full scale. All of it was done in secrecy. The surf world was unaware of the research and development taking place 110 miles from the ocean. Then, Less than 2 years after purchasing the Jackson Avenue property on December 5th, 2015, at 6:35 a.m., the team engineered a flawless 5-foot artificial wave. The footage was released 2 weeks later.
1: <laughs> oh my God. No way. What? <laughs>
2: I remember that feeling the first time I saw it, and I, I like, started kind of crying, and was just was like, I can't believe what this thing is, you know? It's so bizarre to see the thing that we search all around the world for just happen over and over and over again in a controlled environment.
0: Various pro surfers and surf industry folk have been invited to surf the pool over the past year. It is not open to the public, but today, September 6th, 2018, marks the first World Championship Tour event held at Surf Ranch. It's a pivotal and also controversial move. Points towards a world title are on the line. Felipe Toledo's in first right now over Gabriel Medina, Julian Wilson, and Italo Ferrer. This is, for all intents and purposes, an experiment. It is not the first professional surf contest in a pool, but it's the first in 20 years. And it's certainly the first in this modern era with billion-dollar brands, million-dollar athlete contracts, with bonuses for world titles, all on the precipice of risk or a new and potentially untapped avenue of profitability. Worth noting that the WSL has introduced a new contest format specifically for this event. Each surfer will serve 12 waves total through the entire event, six waves in the qualifying round. The surfers best right and left will count as their combined heat total. And the top eight men, along with the top eight women, will advance to the final. In the final, again, everyone will serve six waves. The winner with the highest scoring right and left will then be deemed as the winner. No battles for priority, no concerns for unequal allocation of waves from Mother Nature. The only thing that will determine the winner is one's own dominion over their surfboard and how the judges perceive their abilities. For once, surfers will be able to focus on ability, not tactics. They'll be able to strategize and plan for how to surf a wave rather than a heat, knowing precisely how many waves they'll get and exactly how that wave will break, when and where. The event will also reveal something deeper about the nature of why we've become so obsessed with engineering the perfect wave. This four days of surfing at Surf Ranch, knowing that precisely 396 waves will be surfed, will call into question something surfing has held sacred for the past 50 years. That is the value of the barrel. Perhaps getting barreled has been the pinnacle of surfing because it was so scarce. Perhaps watching spinning water is most exciting when you don't know whether or not it will spin. And as we indulge in this resource for the next four days straight, maybe we'll realize that the natural scarcity of this resource heightened its value. It heightened the drama of competition. It made the rare moments of perfectly aligned swell, wind, and tide worth risking shark attack, cold, and uncertain consequence. Or maybe we'll just continue enjoying the ocean, come home from a surf, and then tune in to watch Felipe Toledo's Acrobats in Lamore and enjoy both things simultaneously. I'm going to spend the next four days seeking the answers and documenting its entire unfolding. This is Off Script at the Surf Ranch Pro, presented by Hurley. Welcome to day one. We're here with WSL commentator Rosie Hodge. First of all, you've surfed the pool, right?
3: Yeah, I did. I I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity last week. So before the contest started, I got an hour out here, so.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, got really lucky.
3: I probably got like 12 waves all in all. Wow. Yeah, really, really, really lucky.
0: I think I surfed it back in November. They did like a media day. I got four waves total and it was just like, I could not shake the anxiety of the experience.
3: (laughs) Well, you're so right. I mean, even free surfing it, you feel like you need to be tranquilized because it is so much pressure. It's like a unique opportunity and the waves feel like a precious commodity. I think for these surfers right now, the most challenging thing is you're under a microscope. You only have this wave. You only Everyone has the same wave, so it's the same opportunity. So you're really stripping away a lot of variables, which leaves you really exposed. So your surfing is on display 100%, and it's, it's great to see how the athletes kind of adapt and deal with that
0: kind of pressure. I agree. Yeah, it is interesting. What are your thoughts on um, world title points being accrued from this event towards that, and it being an entirely different contest format additionally?
3: I love it, I think um, you know at the end of the day you've got a surfer that stands and hoists the world title trophy and they've had to run through just every kind of condition you can think of until we have you know, point breaks, you've got beach breaks, you've got um, death defying left, so it really is and it it also depends on the year and and what the, the conditions are like for each of those locations and now you're throwing in like a new kind of arena, it's a fresh feel and I think it's refreshing to see how the best surfers in the world adapt to that challenge.
2: Perfect.
0: Alex Gray, South Bay's Finest
2: Hello everybody, we're at the uh, Kelly Slater Wave Ranch
0: Dude, good to see you You've become a podcast celebrity in the last three, six months It took me five years to pull it off
2: uh, I'd like to thank David for bringing me upon your massive scale The amount of emails that I got from when we talked last Were very cool And it was uh, in a very like fun, supportive, interested human communication
0: way who knew so many people wanted to cry is what i want to know it was like going into this deep heartfelt portion of the podcast and that i would have normally steered away from turns out people soak it up they love it
2: well i really appreciated the platform to just tell my story which is my personal life i think that in our industry we're very uh apt to just show the great photos and tell the great stories and i always like to get to know the person of you know what got them there in the first place so i appreciated uh your time with that good
0: i'm glad it worked out uh what are you doing here at surf ranch
2: i am here as a jose cuervo ambassador i forced myself to still bring a surfboard knowing that i will not be surfing whatsoever but how do you show up to this wave and like be like i'm not bringing a surfboard i don't know
0: it's, it's bizarre to not be able to surf at all, like not even surf down the street or down the beach or whatever. Like there's no option to surf. Have you surfed the wave before?
2: No. This is my first time being here. Um, I think we're all wondering, Kelly, how do we get to surf it?
0: You don't get to.
2: Okay, you simply don't get to. That's, that's okay. I'm okay with that. But um, it, it's actually quite a spectacle on scale. It's much larger than all of the videos show. I mean, this is so long. It's crazy.
0: I think it's seven football fields. So 700 yards, basically. I have a few questions, pool-related questions for you. Number one, does Kelly Slater have an unfair advantage?
2: Um, yes. Isn't he double-jointed? Isn't that where the 11 world titles came from? His back. Right? He is. He is. Yeah. So I guess uh,
0: chemistry-wise, he sure does. What about Being the owning the keys to the property, does that give him an unfair advantage?
2: You know, I actually feel for him because I wonder the amount of friends that he's lost since he opened up this pool.
0: I think he's gained more than he. It's a net gain for him at this point.
2: Because because everybody's going well. How do I get to ride it? And then at what at what point does he go through his friend list and go yes yes no not so much you you know is it like old high school days where he got punked by a couple guys like where does he make the
0: list? I don't know. That's my number one question when I interview Kelly. At some point is how do you make friends? Because and it's a legit question. Like at this point in his life, he's a celebrity he's wealthy, he owns the greatest pool on the planet. Everybody who becomes your friend is in it for a reason, you know what I mean? So how do you actually foster relationships at that point?
2: Yeah, that guy has a lot of weight on his shoulders, but I want to applaud him in looking outside of the best surfer of all time. You know, Kelly is so smart within all of his competitiveness, but you realize he's turned it into a business as well. And I walked in here and Well, first you see how many cars are in the parking lot, and I go, "Oh my God, what's this like for Kelly?" You know, this was his brainchild, and he had investors involved as well, and this is his idea. And I just think it's fantastic. It's such a—he's broken so many barriers for the next generations that I think that this will be his biggest one because it's changing history. I mean, I as a kid always wanted a wave pool in my backyard, so I'm full pro wave pool. Like I, this is what I dreamed of as a kid, and. Kelly did it. And once again, he's done a a milestone mark that will last for the ages.
0: Uh, How was your experience at Waco?
2: Yes, so I've been to Waco and surfed it, and it's a blast. You want them to keep hitting the wave button over and over again. It is a radical addiction. And I think the difference in that is the variety and amount of waves that are given within a short amount of time. Seeing the scale of this, it's a much longer, better wave, but they're completely different. And I'm excited to see their air show, and I'm glad that they put KS Waveco on their toes to do a wave, uh, an air show as well. So I think it's a healthy relationship between the two right now. That really they aren't competitive, but they're they're feeding off of each other. And the next question is, you know, where's the next one? I'm going with Palm Springs.
0: I heard they broke ground already out there oh, really? in the Coachella Valley. Yeah, I don't know which company is doing it and which tech it is, um, but yeah, like you said, that BSR. The footprint is so much smaller. So the issue with any of this is just cheap land with replenishable water. But out there, you don't have the water, but you could do it on a small, small scale if it's the BSR, American Wave Code Tech. Um, I actually surfed that last week on Friday, went out there and got a couple waves. And I surfed this in November, and it's exactly what you said, like, because this is longer and you know you're going to get fewer waves— there's so much more pressure. Your anxiety riddled the whole time. And I could never quite shake that off. Whereas at BSR, if I missed a wave or if I ate it on a wave, I'd shake it off, get up and catch another one immediately. You know, I was thinking like Miguel Pupo underperformed this morning. And then they're like, OK, we'll see you on Saturday. It's like he has to wait till Saturday to shake it off. And he can't go drive an hour and a half and surf Pismo, you know, to like shake it off. He's got to wait three days essentially
2: right and then so, like you said there's nowhere to go this yeah, is it so do these guys sit and watch the entire day here i mean we're standing it is hot yeah so if you're in the water you are stoked um i'm watching a left fire down the line right now it is very entertaining is it sebastian zietz might be send two nice snaps third snap oh is it Parker? wow yeah there's those long carves I saw Parco earlier, and it made me think about, you know, you have the new guys that are doing these radical airs. But someone like Parco, he would have to have the mental aspect over everybody. Being on tour this long, oh, he just came out of a long barrel. And the reason I say that is I've been here for about two hours watching, and it seems like a lot of guys are under pressure. Um, I've watched so many videos, like we all have, and maybe they're only showing the highlights. It's rare that you see a guy's fall. So that's probably selective uh, editing. (laughs) But, you know, there actually isn't too many completed rides right now. And um, I don't know, I almost on the left, it's great. Like the right has two barrel sections. It's like on the left, I'd almost rather see the guys skip that and do those crazy airs that we're seeing. So at what point do you decide? And then I'd like to ask these guys, like, do you have a list in your head of what you're going to do? Because it's the same wave, you know, you are able to predetermine your ride. And at what point are you in the moment with surfing or are you actually on the ride going, okay, I've done my two snaps, I'm going to do my blowtail. Like, is it like that?
0: So interestingly, that you it's interesting that you brought that up because in Waco, once I was able to just tap into instinct and muscle memory and make decisions in the moment, I was doing my best surfing. When I was trying to think about it in advance, I wasn't. And I think that's where you're seeing guys fall is the guys who are actually in their head too much you want to be able to relinquish all of that and insider info i talked to glenn hall he said that's the last bit of information he gives each of his athletes before they paddle out he goes shake it off and just go on instinct
2: yeah Yeah, you'd have to i mean this is i think you know we have a lot of premium stages in surfing tahiti pipeline us open for what it is and uh, I just think the pressure involved here, because you're only getting a certain amount of waves, and then I don't know who got to warm up prior to this or before. You see some guys look like they've surfed it, mm-hmm. and, and it does make a difference. They understand it, because even though it is a wave, it, it has to feel different. Again, I don't know from personal experience, but there's a lot that goes into this. I, any, I don't know. Who's going to win? I could not tell you.
0: I'm going to ask you, so start thinking about the answer to that real quick. <laughs> um, but. What you just mentioned, the arena atmosphere, I think that'll dictate a lot of who will do well in the event. If you're nervous in front of a crowd, you're going to fall, you know? And so guys who can kind of do that sort of thing might be able to um, not only perform well, but even entice the judges to give them an extra half a point or something. How could you not be subject to the energy of the arena? Today is not open to the public, but the next couple of days are going to be packed. How can the judges not be subject to that that energy.
2: Well, I think the whole point of this event is to nail the nail the coffin on it being an entertaining event. So, I believe they sold 5,000 tickets over this entire thing. And I would imagine that yeah, if you get this crowd fired up, do it like Is Matty Wilco going to put a cowboy hat on? Please. Like, I want to see the personalities come out, and I want to see this be what it can be because it's mechanical. So who can get most creative? And I think that comes with personality. That's where you see the difference in robot mechanical rides to guys going, oh, my God, that was nuts. Because they just let their surfing shine. Um, A name that instantly comes to my mind is Mikey February. He just rode two waves, and they scored him like a five or so but i love the his flow there's just something about his surfing like it looks good it's like people are calling him the new new age buttons i guess but he just has that little extra flair but it's through style and i think that's been really fun to watch you know the difference between guys who have grown up on a point break versus guys that are good in the beach breaks you get to see everybody's strengths but more so i swear this wave shows everyone's weaknesses more than anything
0: I think that's a fantastic point. I think that is very true. Um, where do you see us being in five years from now in regard to wave pools? Obviously, people need to develop a figure out what business model works. I, it seems like the guys at BSR um, seem to be packed and making money. Kelly obviously hasn't opened his to the public yet. So once, assuming that business model gets sorted out, what do you see the landscape being five years from now, ten years from now?
2: Well, I think for the public, we all just want to try. Um, BSR rattled some cages in making it open to the public and user-friendly in that aspect. And Kelly has made the um, country club version. So that's what we have right now. Both waves are more than enough for me to be like, that is insane. I think the quality of waves for this being the beginning is already more than anyone could expect. So where are we going to go? Gosh, who knows?
0: Do you see there being, I like, a wanna, wave I, pool I tour? I ride a
2: wave, David, okay? I think I'm still in the public's eye. Like, how do we get a wave? These Some some guys are falling, and you're like, can I jump in and ride the, the last half of the wave?
0: Watching one of those things reel off with nobody on it is so painful.
2: That's what I'm wondering for the public. Like, how is this going to be for them? They're like, they get to see their surfers, their favorite humans, but then they fall, and they're like, that's my favorite wave. Can I please ride that? That's not on offer.
0: I think he's just trying to build up that much interest and hype so when they open one in palm springs everybody's booking weekends and weeks out there
2: yeah i mean i just go back to this is great we're living through surf history i'm happy to witness it and and see what it is and um i hope that one comes closer to my house and i'm
0: here with superstar coach to the stars glenn micro hall first of all have you surfed it yet
4: i have i uh, came for a couple of times with the boys and then we had an olympic camp with the australian team and that was um, three and a half days of you know in surfing straight and i got to ride a few waves and it was a yeah, it's a good eye opener it's a, it a different wave
0: what do you think the challenges are competing in the pool
4: the environment is obviously completely different to the ocean and the ocean is is where all these surfers kind of grew up and surfed as a kid and then surf for fun and then surf competitively and it's where they feel comfortable so the pool can kind of throw some people off and kind of feel like they're you know in a fish out of water in a, in a weird way and and it's, it's a different environment altogether
0: in the amount of time you spent in the pool were you ever able to shake off the nerves and the anxiety associated with the environment
4: yeah for sure i, I feel like you know, you know i i really got to experience that and it was cool to work through that myself and and see how it felt but on the flip side of it all it all comes back to kind of thinking of you you trigger thoughts that can get you mind you know, to ride the wave as best you can and having that time with the, with the crew and the guys I work with having that time here and three days straight we really got to kind of have all those conversations and, and work through all that and it was it was really interesting cool
0: um the arena environment i think is also different you know the you talk about atmosphere the arena environment once it's almost like the us open is the only thing kind of comparable to that uh, firstly does that present any additional challenges for the surfers and then number two aren't the judges subject to that
4: yeah for sure that's definitely a topic that you know in the judges buying into that arena type stadium you know in the vibe and the feel and the energy that's put off from the crowd cheering for something so that's that's part of you know in this kind of arena environment and and as a surfer you've kind of got to be careful you don't buy into it as well I saw at the last event I saw a a bunch of surfers kind of get thrown off their game and and almost buy into that you know stadium environment and the cheering and and all the all the crowd going mad and it kind of I saw it affect the way they rode the wave. So that's kind of, you know, there's two ways to look at that, too.
0: Yeah, completely. Um, You are, I mean, arguably the most successful surf coach that's ever existed, which I think is pretty remarkable. Um, And when you first started working as a coach, retirement, so to speak, I questioned the value of surf coaching, you know, because it's like you're the best athletes in the world. What can somebody really teach them? but you've proven my criticism wrong. I'm curious what exactly is your role as the coach.
4: Uh, thanks for that. I you know, you know true. I appreciate it. it's it's been a, a really cool transition for me. I you know and I obviously surfed myself in on the WQS and and then the World Tour for a couple of years and I had my own experience as a surfer and then I got into coaching and and I was to be honest, I was I was winging it, and I still am, and and I'm learning on my feet, and I feel like that's kind of that's the part of life that I enjoy, and that's learning and kind of going out of your comfort zone a little bit, and, and taking on new challenges. And then for me in this role as a surf coach, I I probably agree a little bit too that I didn't know how valuable a surf coach was in this sport too. I never had a coach myself that I kind of really worked closely with, and as you, as a kid you have a you know in a coach or a mentor who kind of bits of some advice here and there and you you take it on but you never really have have someone in your corner from a a strategy point or a technique or mindset or physical or diet or anything so it's it's i've kind of opened it's opened my eyes as well like like yourself to um to how valuable a surf coach can be to a, to a surfer and, and at this level it's you know it's it's proven it now like the I'm not the only one who's coaching in surfing now, and, and when I started, there was other coaches who were doing really well, but there wasn't a lot of them. And now, now there's probably a majority of guys and girls who who work closely with a coach. And it's to me, it shows in their in their surfing that that coach's knowledge or their approach or the way they see things shows through in their surfing, and it's and the way they compete and the way they roll around an event, and and it's yeah, you can see the effect they have on their athletes.
0: What is your role? Is it technique based? Is it support? Emotional support?
4: For me personally, the way I approach my role, it's um, it's very holistic, and and there's a lot of coaches who are kind of technique specific or mindset specific, and and for me, I really treat it like it's um, it's a overall approach on, and I really enjoy the the mindset and the and the way they prepare for an event or a or a heat or a run or whatever you want to call it and then I really enjoy the technique part because I've you know I've studied my own surfing for so long to try and improve and and I feel like for me I do touch on on all the areas and and then from a a lifestyle aspect and a well being I really appreciate that I want to see these surfers travel around the world as happy as they can be and at the end of the day this is just a a sport when you know in family and life and health and happiness is is more important. So I, I try and help them away from away from the sport as well. So it's um yeah for me it's probably a different approach to to other coaches and and the way they work. But it's um it's something that's really passionate to me that I want to see at the end of the day whether they win or lose that they're happy and healthy and have good relationships and and they're enjoying life and and that in return reflects through into their surfing as well
0: it's interesting how surf media anyways hasn't ever talked about the need for something like a sports psychologist whereas in every other sport the NBA provides them for their players like they're on staff you know and so you just touched on providing a little bit of that for um, for your athletes but are any of them does anybody you know uh, even acknowledge that does anybody work with sports psychologists, psych- psychologists in general, because we talk so much about how important headspace is in competition, it's like the number one thing everybody talks about, making sure that they're in the right headspace, but if nobody's actually maintenancing that headspace, there's a disconnect there. For sure, and that's
4: I think that's the progression of surfing, it's there's surf coaches involved now, and then there is sports psychologists and and physical trainers and dieticians, and, and all those things are coming into it, and yeah and a, a sports psych is is a part of the the entourage of some of these surfers, and um, yeah, and it is and, and kind of starting to flow into surfing, sports ecology, and it's, um, yeah, I agree, it's a, it's a huge part of it. The mindset is where it all starts, and yeah. clearly all these guys are, in surfing are really talented, and just the same as the girls, it's like the talent's not the problem, so the mindset's, you know, in the, the, the huge... The huge factor to address, and and sports ecology is is getting into surfing now.
0: Yeah. Uh, what will it take to get Wilco back on the winning track and winning events?
4: Um, it's probably not rocket science. Like it might have <laughs> seemed, it's he was he was not putting in any effort. So he put in a bit of effort, and it's and it was across the board. He was you know he was unfit, he was overweight, he was not preparing at all. He didn't have any idea about his equipment and the talent was always there. It was just all those other things and and a lot of the surfers kind of put in their effort into all those areas and there's you know and there's percentages here and there they can improve, but Wilco had a lot to improve really easily. So and his talent was always phenomenal and it was always gonna improve if he put a bit of effort in. So it was it was pretty simple but also the other side is to kind of to tiptoe that line of not scaring him away from from any kind of effort and sticking with his character and who he is and he's not the guy who wants to be in the gym 3 times a day and and going hard and blocking out any kind of fun and and turn into a different person so that was probably you know in the the fine line that I had to walk and and that was the part that I suppose I pulled off but yeah he had a lot of room
0: to improve pretty easily well you got him on that track, but right now he's slumped down on the rankings a bit. What do you think he needs to do currently to get back to that winning form?
4: For sure, he's um he's not where he was last year at this time of year, and and that's ratings wise, you can look at it like it's you know and it's he's far from where he was, but he's surfing really well and he's he's still putting the effort in, and it's um and I always judge off their performance and and where their efforts going, and and he's he's in you know, a each each heat you serve, we've come in and we're like well, that's a great performance, and that's kind of all you can ask for. And obviously, that's got to translate to to results at the end of the day. But if you kind of keep chipping chipping away at what you're doing, and if, and if you believe in it, the results will come. And and um, yeah, Wilco's goes, goes in a position where you know we, it's kind of exciting for me. I, I like this I like these yeah. parts. It's and I try and instil that into him, and and see if he can kind of stand up for the challenge and and show a bit of grit
0: Uh, I had Fanning on the podcast like two weeks ago and the one thing I really wanted to get out of him but I don't feel like he necessarily like I don't know articulated is what is the like we know like you said talent isn't what defines world titles we can even say that competitive savvy isn't what defines world titles because you look at guys last year like Ethan Ewing Um, Jack Freestone like there's this long list of guys who had this spectacular junior competitive career and then they can't make one year on the tour so what I want to figure out is what is that one variable because those guys are also world class surfers they could win world titles just on talent so it's like it's not talent it's not competitive savvy what is the variable in your mind that defines you know not just the top 10 from the bottom 20 but world titles from everybody else
4: yeah i suppose it's um for me it's it's the the approach and the importance you put on the right things or the wrong things if you've kind of got all your mindset and results i think that's just a recipe for disaster and if you've got a really clear structured plan of where you think if i put all my effort into these areas I can look at myself before the heat in the mirror and go all right. Let's do this. I'm ready to roll. And then you you're not you're not putting all this build up and this what they think is pressure into winning the heat or winning the event. It's just like all right. I've I've kind of done what I think's enough to prepare to put in my best performance. And that can be at whatever level. It can be at a junior or a qualifying series or a world tour event or a world title heat in the line. And you're kind of all focused on yourself and what you can do, and you in that way you're blocking out the rest of the world, and you're not fussed on what Johnny's doing around the corner, and you're you're all kind of motivated on what you're doing and your preparation, and you can kind of you can paddle out for the heat with a smile on your face, knowing that you're you're excited to surf.
0: Do you think that this kind of current era, where he can interrupt too, we can edit later, so how's it? David, good to meet you. Oh,
4: oh go, unreal.
0: Um, do you think that in this modern era, like, having the sick, young groms, having the six-figure contract, coaching, support system, all of that stuff, breeding them up through the system, do you think that's actually, could potentially hinder their title ability and kind of grittiness I suppose that you need on the world tour
4: yeah 100, 100% I do agree on that and that's the the testament to that is the Brazilians they come out of they virtually come out of nowhere there's like you know there's this little idol that comes from America somewhere where he's getting paid all this money he's got everything he needs and then he's expected to do this and then all of a sudden there's this 16 year old that's popped out of Brazil who's just deadly and he's got no shame in And fighting for anything and he's got the grit and he's got the determination and the passion and the motivation to to get out there and have a swing at it and that's and then he chews up the the little guy who's been given everything and it's it's kind of clear in surfing and it's
0: um that's why i question like i see the value in coaching based on your success but then i also see the value in balance you know and just letting somebody kind of do earn it on their own, so to speak. Totally, I I really work off those morals. I I
4: don't they don't believe in just given given the kids this everything they need because I I've, I'm all about them working for it. And if if they don't learn that kind of that moral in themselves to go, yeah, I've, I deserve this, then I think it's a it's a downward spiral from there. And and I I agree that, and for me personally, that's why like I. I struggle to even call myself a coach like I like the idea of I don't even like the title but it's more mentoring because I I've, I've really I'm really firm with those beliefs in in trying to create the environment around the kid where they they do the work like that if, they if they're not putting their effort in then don't worry about it I'm not going to be the one kind of doing all doing all the work for you and then you just kind of get that feel that you kind of you're giving everything and you're not you're not working towards anything yeah.
0: What do you think, um, kind of a final question, what do you think the long term outlook is for pools, for wave pools? Do you think this will be a part of our world on the world tour in five years from now, or what are your thoughts?
4: I do, it's, it, I'm excited to be honest with you, it's It's. this is the start, obviously the waves, that's the first wave to kind of work with there's, there's so much to build off this too, there's a, you know, adding in, you know, an air section at the end or, or the length of the wave or whatever it is but there's so much to build off and then obviously you know putting these in these types of pools in, in different places around the world I actually think it's exciting I, I really do and I, the ocean's never going anywhere the, the excitement of watching Tahiti and Fiji and and Pipeline it's always going to be there as well this is just this is adding to it to me, in my eyes
0: it does add to it. I, the only kind of question I have, I think we'll adjust it as we move forward. But my question with specifically this pool is like, we thought that the ultimate commodity would be building a perfect wave, like a perfect barrel. But I'm wondering if the barrel, now that we've seen it so much, it's on every Instagram clip. It's I don't even watch the Instagram clips anymore, you know, because they're boring and you know what it's going to do. So I'm wondering if the barrel was only only had value because it was so scarce up until now, yeah, yeah, and you had to work so hard for it, and then negotiate for it, and if you found it, that's why it had value. Yeah. Now that it's on dial, it's kind of like, oh, well, I'd rather have spontaneity. You know what I
4: mean? I, I fully agree, and that's that's the part that excites me because I I feel like almost all those points are, are obvious and and they the. Kelly Slater Wave Co, whoever's behind it all needs will kind of work with the times. Yeah. I don't think they're going to sit back and go, this is it, this is our wave forever. They're obviously going to tinker with it and kind of make adjustments. Like I said, the barrel might be shorter, so you kind of get one little bit of a barrel and then clearly there's an air section's kind of the one thing it's missing yeah. and yeah, the length of the ride could even be shorter and, and there's a thousand different kind of options you could kind of lay out there to, to make the wave... Even, improve in some way but i think you know the designers and the engineers are are always looking to make it better and eventually like like i said this is the first one so there's a lot of room for improvement and in the years to come it's going to be you know and the waves are going to be better and it's going to be in better spots and it's it's going to be more entertaining
0: i surfed this in november and i only got four it was like media day only got four waves the anxiety of the experience stripped away all of the uh other what would have been joy you know and i still had a phenomenal day went home feeling like it was the greatest day of my life but uh i surfed waco last week that new pool and that felt like the ocean because you're constantly negotiating sections you the wave isn't perfect and not every wave is the same so you're you're kind of making these snap decisions which i realized is what the ocean experience is it's having to negotiate having to make split decisions and having muscle memory take over and all that stuff whereas out here trying to map out a ride trying to plan in advance and you almost set yourself up for failure because of that so i think that um i think that'll be interesting and the fact that we can kind of map out the ride and all of that i think also affects the way that judges view it and the way that judging kind of takes place so it's interesting times and Again, I was just curious to hear, as a coach, how you assess all those things and then script for it. you know. Yeah,
4: for sure. It's for me personally. It's from a coaching point of this wave. It's obviously it's a long wave, and you, you know, in your first thought when you see a wave pool and you know this perfect wave, you're like, all right, you can kind of choreograph a run. And this is what I'm going to do here, here, and here. But I've actually gone full circle from when I first kind of ever came here to. Going back to just surfing on instinct, it's it's a wave at the end of the day, and it's not actually exactly the same every time. And maybe that conversation will be different when the wave is more identical when they're in a closed pool and it is actually to the millimeter. But I don't think it will be. But for now, it is. There's still variables in the wave, and I still think as a surfer, you surf best when you surf on off instinct and and. It's pretty funny. Out of all our training we've done, my my preheat talk is really freaking simple, and it's you know, and it's there's one little trigger to kind of give themselves some space on the wave, and the rest is just surf. Just and that's I came here with a view like probably everyone else, maybe still does or did about wow, it's a wave pool. You can kind of plan out your run and you do this, this, and this. And it's to me personally, it's it's showing that a lot of people are trying to preempt moves and and runs and it's like as soon as it goes off track a little bit they're they're lost yep. so yeah that's that's just my approach and yeah it's it's interesting
0: yeah first of all i got your left on video on my cell phone i uh, love to see it <laughs> okay i'll show, show you video. after okay. standing with barton lynch i'll give you the introduction um firstly does kelly slater have an advantage
1: Well, I I would say he has a a distinct advantage in the amount of times he's surfed this wave. Um, His intimate knowledge of it, his understanding of where sections barrel, where they don't, what they do, do. Um, He sure does, but, you know, at a point they've all had time out here now and they're all so good. And Kelly is an amazing surfer, but there's some people that have more in their arsenal, particularly above the lip than he has. Um, so I think the advantage is sort of nullified by the, the, the new school manoeuvres of some of the younger guys who don't even need those sections to be perfect to create perfect scores. So, you know, he's one of the very best of all time, the best of all time. Um, and out here, he's just amazing as well. But at the same time, I think Gabriel and, and Philippe Toledo have got stuff that uh, nobody else has. I agree with you. Like... Ability level aside,
0: we've never had an event where somebody owned it. If Kelly wins this event,
1: does it sully the event? Does it sully the win? No, not at all. I mean, the fact that he has been able to reinvest the money he's made from riding waves into building waves, is it's honourable in my opinion, and it's uh, this is a testament to his love of surfing, to his love of, of waves, and the fact that he's created something so amazing and so perfect, that's, that's enough. Winning the competition, secondary really, when you look at the contributions as a competitor, and now the contributions as a wave maker, um, it's just astounding. So no, I don't think so. Um, I think uh, everybody else, I don't, I don't see that it's that hard a wave to ride, it's a perfect wave, um, there's idiosyncrasies and small parts of it that, that need attention and time, but all in all, um, you know, I think all in all, it's a pretty, pretty fair even playing field.
0: Um, considering that it is a perfect wave, what are the challenges for the competitors?
1: Oh, the challenges are actually within you, I mean ordinarily, you think about, ordinarily competing, the game is with the ocean. Your first focus is on your relationship with the ocean and your wave selection and creating, getting that as good as possible. Um, and then you, you go to yourself, and it's all about yourself and the way that you bring yourself to the game and what you bring to that moment, if, and, and hope, if it is your best or not. Um, and then it's your opponent. You know, that's the third sort of component of competing. So here, the Wave Selection, that first, that primary element of it's not in it at all. And it's really all about you, and you're not competing directly against anyone at any point in time. So it's all about you, it's all about bringing the best you to the event, so I feel like that—that's a, a very unique situation that doesn't exist in other competitions, and and it puts the pressure on. It's nerve-wracking as all hell. I know that from getting to ride a couple of waves today. Um, it's terrifying, sitting out there and the countdown and 30 seconds till the wave comes, and it's everyone's watching. And you know, I'm not used to being in this situation in that that situation. So these guys are more familiar with it than I. But at the same time, it's 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 about them bringing them their best self to this moment, and that's that's about personal development. It's not really about surfing, but it's about personal development.
0: You know, a lot of what you said actually makes it. I I'm concerned that it makes it less exciting for the viewer. It makes it better for the athlete being able to kind of work out their paces. I think it'll allow us to refine judging because they can actually measure millimeters in the air and like lengthen the barrel. But from the viewing public, waiting five minutes for a wave and then knowing exactly what the wave is going to do when
1: the wave comes, does that zap any of the drama out of it? Well, it's just a different performance. Uh, uh, Fair to say it makes it more like other sports, like career golf, like tennis, like gymnastics, where you're competing in a static environment. Um, there are subtle differences to every wave out here they're not all the same so there are subtle differences um, but at the same time i think that it's got such a a a worthwhile place in our sport and you know you've got so many other events at beaches in ocean waves to have an event in this environment is just perfect i think it's such a compliment to the overall package that um, i wouldn't i wouldn't go without it in any way you said it makes it more like other sports makes it more like
0: golf gymnastics whatever is that a good thing
1: <laughs> yeah, it's sad really is it no, no. Um, that's what it, i mean there's a part of all of us that feels it is but no really? i don't well you know what you gotta open your mind and broaden your mind to the potential human potential if it was if there was that component to it we'd be living in caves We live in houses, mate, because we want to advance humanity, advance humankind. You know, people have flown to the moon. We've done such amazing things in our time on this planet. I mean, fair to say we're in the process of ruining it if we don't get our shit together. Um, And that's my biggest concern, really, is, you know, what's happening to the planet, um, given the way we live. Um, and our disrespect for it. Uh, when I look at, look at this, um, I don't see moral issues or, or anything of, of that type involved in it at all. I see it, I see it as, as man evolving uh, the potential of us as, and, and as surfers It's gonna contribute to that and to come here with your friends and hang out for a day and ride waves and share in this, you, you would be smiling and loving every minute of it at the end of the day. Let's get out of the water station. Sorry, I'm blocking your way.
0: Um, Are there any unique challenges for you as the commentator uh, for this specific venue and event? It's a lot of downtime in between waves to fill.
1: Are there any challenges? Well, the reality is for us there's less time. When Last you're in downtime. the ocean, yeah, less time. It goes very fast. You watch a wave, you watch a couple of replays of the wave, and you're into the next one. Okay. And you watch a wave. And, and for us as commentators, it's the opposite, actually. It's fast. It's quick. Um, we're not filling in five and ten minutes at a time in a lull in the ocean where we've got to try and, you know, entertain and find things to talk about. So here, um, no, it, it's to the contrary, it's actually a little bit sort of more organized, a little more coordinated, and a little more... Um, I don't know, easy just to kind of flow with it because there's a system that's constantly in place. Right. And every you know three minutes there's a wave, and every so so you create a system of commentarying commentary around that that formatting, and it's it's a breeze. I'm not that it's a breeze, but it's definitely doesn't take as much as what it does commentating the ocean. Right.
0: For the WSL structuring an event, this is a. Dream, You know, being able to predict when waves are coming and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so my question is, in regard to WSL, when are we going to get you full time on the commentary team?
1: Oh, I don't know that I have time for that. Um, oh, no. you know, I've got a pretty busy life and a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'm not going to Europe, for example, after this. I've got a few things, um, you know, a few trips, one in Australia, and then uh, and then I've got my grommet event, but BL's Blast Off on October 2nd to 5th, and then I go to the Mentor October 8th to 16th, and then I go to Hawaii October 17th, and so, um, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a lot going on and a life to live, and, and while I enjoy the commentary and it's great doing it, um, I do enjoy living too.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Best answer possible. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Close out the show. I've got Glenn Hall, Alex Gray, and Barton Lynch to give their picks for the event win. But we want to hear your picks too. Hurley is going to give a prize pack of clothing for the first five people who correctly pick one of their athletes to win the event. I've set up a poll on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. It takes ten seconds to fill out, so get your picks in ASAP. Obviously, we won't know who won the actual event until Sunday. But the first five people to correctly submit the poll will win a prize pack of Hurley Team Pro Series clothes. There's a well known artist that Hurley's been utilizing for these one off projects throughout the years. And because of John John's skateboard background and Felipe's skate style surfing, somebody, I'm not exactly sure who, conceived of this concept. Uh, Where basically, remember back in the 80s where skaters had graphic representation of their identity and skate style? They basically um, translated that onto their skate deck with a graphic, and then their tees and their socks followed. So that's a similar concept to what we've got going here. Really amazing artists working with each of the individual surfers. Michelle's the lead-footed silverback. Felipe, the spider. Kaloe the American Eagle. Lakey, the lynx. The Hurley Team Pro Series. You'll see each of the athletes unveiling their specific design at this event. But you can get a sneak peek on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Also, as a thank you for supporting this podcast... They're offering you 20% off everything on Hurley.com. Just use promo code podcast. Smoking deal. And thanks to everybody at Hurley for listening, for believing, and allowing me to experiment with this new contest coverage style of content. Hugely grateful to be here. Thrilled to do it. And um, wanted to share just some personal commentary about day one. At the end of the event, before I close out with Alex, Glenn, and BL, on site, the pacing of the day is slow imagining what it must be like to be a competitor it's got to be a slog just kind of trying to stay loose without being able to surf down the beach and shake it off Um, i think this is where professionalism and athleticism will really really come into play being able to watch the pool event all day long which by the way is hugely informative being able to watch every single wave and kind of see where things are happening All of that is hugely important, but it also means that you have to be on site all day long. It's a very different experience than viewing it at home. So, being able to sit here in the sun, viewing it all day, stiff, and then shake that off immediately and shift into 100% comp mode for 30 minutes. I think that those people who are able to do that will be the ones that thrive in this event. It's much more akin to an actual sport. It's much more akin to arena sports specifically so the surfer who can kind of best make that transition will be the ones that succeed in this event i've got a few messages from listeners reporting that they were having issues with the wsl app cutting out throughout the day Uh, i'm not sure how accurate that is or if that was just their personal experience but i'm curious to hear what your experience was viewing the event online so shoot me a dm on instagram at surf splendor so I can include that information in my conversations tomorrow. And then feel free to share any other ideas for topics, questions, or conversations that you want to see explored. I am all ears. script is presented by Hurley. This was day one. I'll be back at it tomorrow for day two. Chas Smith and Scott Bass will be joining me on day three. And then we'll wrap up on day four here in Lemoore at the Surf Ranch Pro presented by Hurley. Thanks for joining us. Here's Alex Gray, Glenn Hall, and Barton Lynch's picks for the event. All right, final question. Who's your pick to win the event? you got to give me something. Uh,
4: I think Owen's going to be pretty gnarly. And obviously Philippe. And then Griffin's been gnarly on the right, but he's struggling on the left. So it's kind of like I'm, I'm torn there. But yeah, i say Owen
0: Owen eh? I like it Alright Owen for the win Cheers dude Thank you Alright give me give me your pick Who's going to win the event One on the women's And one on the men's side
2: Oh god uh, Steph Gilmore for me Would be the pick on the women's And the men's side I don't know David
0: Lee Scales Get me out there dude I'm going to battle it out I'll paddle battle with Adriana Wild card come on Alright thanks Alex Who are your picks To win the event Men's side and women's
1: Oh, good question. On the men's, I've been thinking Gabriel Medina the whole time. I um, thought that at the Founders Cup, he was definitely the best surfer, in my opinion. I thought his backhand tube riding was exceptional. And then on the front side, he found time to do turns that other people weren't being able to do. And then he's got that aerial approach on the women's side it's a really good question a much tighter field you know even now after a a few surfers having run their run had their first runs um it's real hard to say but you know obviously on the right you would have to pick stephanie gilmore but as kelly said in the press conference when he referred to it as the elephant in the room he said we all know she's one of the best surfers in the world on the right but can she surf it on a backhand if she can get that backhand together and surf those lefts the way she surfs the rights then she should take that too
0: I was at uh, that new wave park in Waco last week on Thursday and Mason, Ho, Yagodora, Michael Rodriguez, a bunch of guys were there and Gabriel Medina had been there the week before. Mm -hmm. The staff said Gabriel Medina was doing stuff that like twice as crazy as anybody else who had been at the pool previously they're like these guys are unbelievable and amazing but gabriel it's a whole different level and the speed at which he does it and then lands and immediately goes into another bottom turn and another turn is unbelievable so it'll be interesting to see him out
1: here yeah i I just i feel like uh, he is the best surfer in the world when you sort of go from one foot to you know 10 to 15 foot and it could be pipeline or it could be chopo or it could be a beach break Um, I think you know he's most probably the most well-rounded surfer obviously John John when it gets you know serious and gets sort of above four feet um, comes into his own has got a a performance that's hard to beat and hard to match but I think you know when you look across the board at all the different sizes and all the different conditions um, Gabriel's really really impressive and and he's a goofy after all. (laughs) Ha
0: <laughs>